covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. We do welcome you into another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Thanks so much for being tuned in as uh, we've got a lot to get to. It's been interesting last week or so for the Brewers and uh, a lot of things to talk about. Our featured guest this week, we are set to be joined by uh, Kyle Loebner. Uh, Kyle does a lot of stuff. He works with the Shepherd Express. Also, uh, you can uh, read him on the Timber Rattlers website as well. Before we go any further, let's get our normal housekeeping items out of the way. If you want to get in contact with me, best way to do so is on Twitter, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Also encourage you, if you do listen to the podcast via Apple Podcast, to leave a ranking and review and subscribe to the podcast as well. That would be very much appreciated. This past week, uh, some interesting moves made by the Brewers, most notably Justin Smoke was designated for assignment, and it's another case of trying to figure out in this 60-game season how much time you can give someone to try to get out of their slump and, more importantly, trying to kind of predict, assess the future, if that makes any sense, uh, on if a player is legitimately has a shot to get things going before the season got over. The the Brewers to be the, the best version of themselves this year would have included both a Brock Holt and a Justin Smoke playing at their highest level. Neither of those things end up happening. They cut the cord on Holt first. We talked about that on last week's show. And now they have uh, done the same thing with Justin Smoke, clearly just feeling like he was not going to be able to get out of it this year. And it was a gamble. Like, he didn't have a very good year last year. There were some items from last year's uh, you know, statistics. When he broke down his stats from last year, you could see that uh, he hit the ball hard, did not have a great batting average on balls hit in play. That's generally – if you want to – if you want to gamble on a bounce-back candidate, that's one of the best ways to do so. Find somebody who hits the ball hard but always is hitting the ball at somebody, and that person is probably they have as good a chance as just about anybody else as somebody can bounce back the next year because simply there, there's some bad luck involved, and there is luck involved in anything, and baseball is included in that. There's You could just have a bad luck season. There was a, a couple years ago, Ryan Braun had a really bad luck season because he was hitting it straight at guys. Now, at that point, if you remember, uh, he tried to kind of change his swing a little bit, and he tried to use launch angle a bit so he could try to get it over the heads of infielders. And I think it worked a bit, and he's he's gone on from there. And this year, notwithstanding, you know, the numbers put up last year were, were fine, and he just can't stay healthy right now and isn't on the, the field enough. But he's come up with some hits, and we'll see what he looks like in the final month of the season. But we're not talking about Ryan Braun. We're talking about uh, Justin Smoke. So I think that was the I, – I guess I give credit to David Stearns in a year where you got to make these decisions a little bit quicker – uh, he, he's making the decisions to go ahead and, and move on from guys, trying to win now. And the Brewers are very much in playoff contention. I talked about this on my postgame show after Sunday's loss. On Friday night when the Brewers won, after that game, they were tied for the sixth best record in the National League, which isn't great. I mean, 15 teams, you're, you're barely in the top third. But in a year where eight teams are going to make it in the postseason, being in the number six spot, is a, that's an okay place to be. 
They then lose the next two games, and just those two losses put them into a spot where at the time of that loss on Sunday, they had the fifth worst record in the National League. So two losses in two days puts them from sixth best to fifth worst, and that's just kind of the year it is with so many teams that are uh, that are bunched up together. We don't know if the Brewers are going to go on the run that they normally go in September. They've uh, they've looked very much in September the way they had looked through much of the season, specifically from an offensive standpoint. You look at the losses on Saturday and Sunday specifically, and the runners that were left on base was a it was the reason they lost. I think of those two games, they, they lose two of three to Cleveland. I think they could have easily won two of three. And I look at that second game on Saturday, the 4-3 loss is really the one that they had great opportunities. They leave 11 runners on base. And between the uh, in the final four innings, they left the bases loaded twice and left two on in another inning. And even the Sunday game where they went up against a really good pitcher in, in Shane Bieber. He's really good. He's 7-0 and with a 1.25 ERA. They had an opportunity in that game in the fifth inning when they had him on the ropes. And they had the bases loaded and one out and back-to-back strikeouts to end the inning. And Craig Council talked earlier this week about the strikeouts, that they are an issue. And we've talked about strikeouts on this podcast before. Strikeouts are not considered to be as bad now as they were previously in the game of baseball, but I still think they're they're considered very, very bad from a situational standpoint. And there are times where you just can't you can't strike out. You know, if there's nobody on base and you got a power hitter at the plate and they don't uh, they don't shorten up to try to fight for a, a base hit or something and they still try to you know hit the ball hard and they end up striking out, okay, that's fine. I, I'm not too terribly worried about that. But when it comes to scoring opportunities, runners on at third with less than two outs, situations like that, you just can't strike out as often as the Brewers are striking out this year. And it's something that I, I don't know if it gets fixed. There's three weeks left in the regular season. And I understand that I've got kind of a negative tone to the way I'm talking here. When the Brewers play their best baseball, they're a really good team. I think that's the thing that's frustrating. You know, that Friday night win, the game that they won by a 7-1 score against Cleveland, that was kind of the way you thought that a lot of games were going to be played this year for the Brewers. They got a home run from Keston Hira. They were able uh, to get a few guys with multiple hits, the seven runs on 12 hits. They they had enough hits with runners in scoring position to do what they needed to do, and they were able to kind of, uh, thanks to some late runs with six of their seven runs being scored in the final three innings of that game, they were able to stretch out that lead as it went along, and there just haven't been a lot of games like that this year. And all you can do is hope that they've got enough wins left in the tank that they'll be able to uh, move into a a playoff spot. I still think the Cardinals, with what they have to do from a doubleheader standpoint down the stretch of the season, I think that's going to be uh, something that's going to be tough for the Cardinals to fight through. They're in a stretch right now playing 30 games in 23 days. It's 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 a crazy number of games that they're playing. And some of those doubleheaders, admittedly, are against the Brewers. They're going to play uh, a couple doubleheaders when the Brewers uh, host the Cardinals in mid-September. And then when the Brewers go to St. Louis for that final series of the regular season, there's going to be a doubleheader in there as well. But at some point, 
your pitching just won't hold up, I would think. Well, we'll see. I will, we'll find out in three weeks. If I'm wrong on this, I'll, I'll be able to know that I'm wrong very quickly. But that's going to be a big challenge for St. Louis. And maybe it might actually even be an easier path to the postseason for the Brewers to catch St. Louis and move into that number two spot in the uh, National League Central than it's going to be even to grab one of those final spots, the number seven or the number eight spot in the National League. But uh, we're probably getting a little ahead of ourselves with that uh, conversation here at this point in time. All right, uh, on this week's show, we are going to uh, talk with Kyle Loebner. In fact, we're going to do that right now. Let's get to it. After every Brewers game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now. Brewers x the podcast is powered by WTMJ Mobile. We're very happy to welcome back onto the podcast Kyle Loebner, you can uh, read him in the Shepherd Express. He also uh, contributes to the uh, Timber Rattlers website. Follow him on Twitter at ByKyleLoebner. Also, his uh, Patreon is a lot of fun because it's got uh, a lot of uh, historic moments in uh, in Brewers history, which is uh, which is pretty cool. So we'll get into all that coming up in just a moment. But let's uh, bring Kyle on. Kyle, appreciate your time. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm uh, I'm good. Let's. Uh, the Brewers just got done. We're talking on a Sunday afternoon. They just got done a little while ago, losing the finale to the Indians. They lose two of three. I tweeted this out a bit ago. On Friday after they won, they had the sixth best record in the National League. After their loss on Sunday, they have the fifth worst record in the National League. Isn't it just crazy in this in this shortened season with so many teams bunched up together how much impact one or two games can have? Yeah, it's a, a weird grouping, uh, kind of right on the edge of the National League playoff picture. Um, and really, you know, what, what baseball got by expanding the postseason this year is roughly the same playoff races we've seen the last few years since we got the second wild card in, but it's just a little further down in the standings than it used to be. Uh, so, you know, if we had come into this weekend uh, with the old playoff structure, there are five teams in the National League that were above 500. They would all have made the postseason. The Phillies would have had the fifth seed, and they were about two and a half games better than the entire field. Um, now we have it about a couple games under 500 instead, uh, with the Brewers floating around in there with. I think some teams that in most years would have been packing things up to head home in September at this point, most years. Um, and so it's it's an interesting uh, perspective. It's going to be, um, it's certainly going to be quite the footnote on the story if the Brewers do successfully make the third consecutive postseason appearance for the first time in franchise history. Uh, but there are some teams here that I think have reason to believe they could get hot. Um, and one of these teams, odds are, you know, just based on the, the law of percentage, one of these teams is going to make the postseason below 500 mm-hmm. and maybe win against a really good team in the first round of the playoffs and have a, a really fascinating story. Yeah, it's look, the Dodgers are really, really good, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. We've seen Clayton Kershaw struggle in the postseason. What happens if Kershaw has one of his postseason moments in the first game and then all of a sudden you've got a team that's just got to win a game to advance. I mean, that, I'm not predicting that the Dodgers are going to get upset, but I mean, that's not that's not a crazy thought either. No, I mean, the, the Dodgers may be a 750 winning percentage team for the entire season, like they're on pace to be right now. They could still lose two out of three, um, even at home, even against the eighth best National League team. Um, and so, yeah, that first week of the playoffs, it's going to feel a lot like the opening couple days of the NCAA tournament. 
um, where you know that somewhere out there, there is a team that has no business competing, uh, that is going to get hot for a day or, you know, catch a lucky break here or there or, you know, hit a home run off an all-star closer. Um, and very suddenly, um, pull off one of the biggest upsets in baseball postseason history. And with a, that's a great analogy of the NCAA tournament because with the uh, probably bubble setup they're going to have, they're going to have to be running games throughout the course of the day. So that's going to that's going to feel NCAA tournament ish as well. You would think. Yeah, I think you know, anytime you're trying to cram uh, really you know 16 teams, so eight games a day, just about um, into that first week of the postseason. Even if they aren't in the bubble, even if they're playing at home ballparks, unless they want to run games simultaneously, which is a thing MLB has been very reluctant to do with the playoffs, they're going to have to have games at you know kind of all times of day, um, you know starting at 11 a.m. and running late. Uh, so yeah, it might be a thing. Uh, baseball fans may want to clear their calendar and make sure they're off work for a couple days. Yeah, I'm but I may go mark my calendar and take off work for a couple days because uh, there's going to be a lot of baseball and some really interesting storylines quite suddenly. I think the word that I've maybe used the most often this year when hosting the Brewers post-game shows is frustrating because when they lose games, they're losing in frustrating type of ways. Largely, it's based off, and this is what we saw on Saturday, Sunday, this weekend, but it certainly was something that existed beforehand. They get runners on. They have these um, just incredible scoring opportunities, and they don't come up with that proverbial big hit. We talked about that a lot last year during that kind of middle part of the season last year where they weren't playing great. They were largely not hitting well with runners in scoring position. But it's maybe I'm just a prisoner of the moment, but, man, it seems like it's even more pronounced in a bad way this year. Yeah, we got a couple of the recurring Brewer storylines today because they were hitless through three innings again. Um, you know, a, a perfect game for Bieber. Now, granted, Shane Bieber is one of the best pitchers in baseball. So if this was a one-time event where they struggled to get going against him in a day game, um, that'd be pretty easy to forgive. But it's a thing that's happened a lot uh, this season. Um, and then, yeah, in the middle inning, some missed opportunities. And I think we are seeing once again, uh, despite the fact that the Brewers have shuffled things around a little bit, uh, despite the fact that they're trying out some new players, this is still a Brewers team that, talent-wise, has a lot of depth, but not necessarily a lot of bets that scare you. Um, and so, you know, there are going to be times where with two guys on, you know, if teams walk Yelich or if Hira gets a base hit and you're going to 6, 7, 8 in the order in this current permutation, there are going to be times where those guys don't get hits. That's not terribly surprising. Um, and so that's going to lead to some situations where, you know, what seems like some promising innings, and today it was first and third, I think three innings in a row, I don't turn in there. You mentioned the depth, and I, I've, I've said this before. The thing that I think I was most wrong on going into this season was I felt like this roster was built for the short season and was built for the DH and, you know, was going to have success. And I w- I couldn't have been more wrong on it, and that's become very clear that in you know the the Justin Smokes and the Brock Holtz of the world, where you would have given them more time, and then those were gambles. So if those were gambles that were not going to pay off, there would have been more runway on the other side to try to fix those issues. That that time just doesn't exist this year, and the Brewers have been so good over the last couple of years of getting to September, and they've been able to kind of figure stuff out. They don't have that time to. Fix figure stuff out this year. Um, I, I guess, d- do you do you kind of agree with that, that this roster actually isn't really built for this kind of season? Yeah, I think that's a fair point. Um, and I think, 
you know, when, when you build a roster the way the Brewers build it, when you built it around a lot of depth and kind of an opportunity to mix and match, over the course of 162 games, that's an opportunity. Uh, because you can give, you know, Justin Smoke, for example, two months at the start of the season and see what comes of it. And if he's not producing, you can move on and still have time left uh, to try something new. And maybe even to try something new that doesn't work out and move on to the third thing. Uh, this Brewer team built a lot of depth, which would have given them an opportunity to mix and match a lot over the course of 162 games. Um, but in a 60-game season, by the time you saw these guys enough to recognize that some of these weren't working out, um, it was already half the season over. Um, and now they're in a stretch run, and they haven't had the time to figure out what works yet. Uh, they've identified a few things that didn't, for sure. Uh, so it's it's more of, you know, we're still... We still know about what we would have known in May, uh, but the Brewers have to build a winner now um, out of those pieces and didn't have the time to figure it out. What's been your um, maybe experience? And and you live north of Milwaukee. Um, I, like I, I feel like sometimes this season with fans not being allowed in in the stands and baseball is such a kind of immersive experience in Milwaukee with the tailgating and everything that goes along with it and it's it's affordable to go to games for the most part so lots of people end up going to a fair amount of games over the course of the year I've just I've talked to people and people have kind of said you know what it's it's a little bit even with the games on TV even with the games on radio it's a little bit tougher this year to become I guess engaged is the word people use or what they're saying when they're talking to me about it that's I get that as a Milwaukee feeling is it it's a little bit tougher where you live for people to be going to games every single week, and not a lot tougher, but a little tougher. Are you? Do you just? Do you experience that from people that it's, people are having a little bit of a tougher time getting into it this year? Uh, let me preface this by saying that um, I've worked out of the house a small handful of times since the 13th of March, so my sample size of people I just talked to out in public isn't as big as it normally would be. Good point. Yes, uh, but I <laughs> but I think that's I think there's some element of truth to that, and I think. You know, the sports landscape this summer went from nothing to everything so very fast. Um, you know, we, we went from, I don't know how many people were actually doing this, but it felt like a lot who were enthralled by KBO baseball at 5 in the morning because it was the only thing going on. I mean, I'm still watching KBO baseball at 5 every morning, but I think I'm the only one. Um, and, you know, we went from that to the NBA playoffs going on and NFL training camps and baseball is back, and hockey is back all at the same time. Um, and so baseball's window to be the only thing that fans were watching uh, was so very short. And during that time, uh, you know, as you alluded to before, the Brewers were so very frustrating uh, that I think for a, a variety of people, yeah, there was an opportunity here to punt on this season. Um, there was an opportunity to say, you know, at this Brewer team, maybe isn't as fun to watch as the last couple of years and to, you know, really get into the Bucks postseason run or to, to watch some postseason hockey. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think um, the Brewers have probably a real opportunity this, these next few days coming up uh, where they will have center stage uh, for a little while. And we're going to be talking Packers an awful yeah. lot. Um, and if the Brewers can't show some signs of left these next few days, I suspect we're going to be hearing an awful lot about the Packers um, and maybe occasionally a Brewer score at the end of it. Yeah, I wasn't going to talk about this with you, but you kind of alluded to it. I think it's an important thing. Man, as we – I mean – 
both the baseball players and owners could not get their heads out of their collective backsides during the uh, negotiation as is. But now when we look back on it, that was really a missed opportunity to try to get things rolling two, three weeks before uh, basketball and hockey where it would have been more than just a few days where all the eyes would have been focused on baseball. Yeah, I think um, we'll never know for sure what the sports landscape would have looked like if baseball had been able to play. Um, you know, because the, we saw again a, an uptick in new cases around the time baseball was starting to get ready to come back, it's possible they wouldn't have been ready and would have started and stopped. Yeah. Um, but with that said, yeah, baseball had, at the very least on paper, an opportunity to start a little sooner than they did. Um, and I think they did miss out a little bit on the opportunity to take center stage and really be the big thing that everybody was talking about for a month. The pitching on this team has been pretty good, and at times it's been really good. There have been, you know, Josh Lindblom's going to get stopped, skipped in the rotation. Eric Lauer was uh, was taken out of the rotation. Brandon Woodruff at, at times has been iffy this year, having a hard time a lot of times with one single inning. But overall, the games that the Brewers have won this year has been good enough starting pitching, very, very good relief pitching. How much pressure do you think those guys have on them as the offensive struggles have continued? Yeah, I think you know, you're putting these guys out there consistently where they have to be perfect. You know, I, there's so many times this season, and you know, I alluded to it before with the number of times the Brewers have gone hitless through three innings. There's so many times this season where a guy is going back out for the fourth inning and the offense has given him absolutely nothing. Like, not even that they haven't scored a run. Like, they haven't even had a guy get on base, so he gets an opportunity to get a breather in the dugout. Um, and so... When you send starting pitchers or relievers, for that matter, out there in close games over and over again, they know they are walking the tightrope when they take the mound. Yeah, that has to take a toll. Um, and it's going to vary person to person how, how much they recognize that, how much it affects them. But it has to be, you know, even in a season that's been abbreviated, it has to feel like the season's been on the line just about every day uh, for about three or four weeks now. And the offense really hasn't pulled their share of the load for much of that. Um, and so... Yeah, I, I suspect a guy like Brandon Woodruff probably has uh, thrown more high-stress innings than the Brewers would have liked so far this season. I suspect you see that sometimes um, in a guy like Josh Lindlum, who really can't afford to you know, pitch to contact and give up cheap singles occasionally when he is constantly protecting either a scoreless game or trying to keep it within one. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that does eat away at guys over the course of time. And, you know, they, the Brewers may only be a day or two away from the offense turning back up and maybe things going in the other direction. But for right now, yeah, that's a tough thing to deal with day to day. I feel kind of dumb like even going down this path with you, but uh, Josh Hader's name was thrown out there as somebody that other teams were interested in. Uh, same thing happened during the, the winter meetings, and the term that we heard from the baseball insiders was that the asking price was bananas. I, I, don't think I'm, I don't think it's a hot take to say that in all likelihood, at some point in time, Hader could very likely become too expensive for the Brewers. I don't know when that's going to be. There's still a number of years of club control, but he's had a couple – not so great outings. Had the outing with all the walks. He had the uh, the loss in the non-save situation, the tie game. Uh, velocity hasn't been what it normally is. I think people are still trying to figure that out. Maybe it's just you don't have the juice when you've got uh, fans in the stands. Whatever it might be, but it's been a it's been an interesting year for uh, as dominant as he has been. Only giving up a hit in one game this year. Man, it's been an interesting year this year for Hater. Yeah, absolutely, and I think. 
you know, anytime you're in the closer role, the one or two times that you struggle are really going to get magnified uh, because there are going to be days where it feels like the team would have won if not for uh, that single performance. And so that one where Hader, I mean, the one where he walked five guys, the Brewers actually did still. Uh, but, you know, those, those single performances really become troubling in a hurry just because they happen under such a bright light. And the Brewers really have, you know, there's really two opportunities to make a mistake with Hader uh, for the Brewers. Because if the Brewers opt to hold on, or if the Brewers opt to trade Josh Hader, they may be trading away a guy who it would be easy to picture staying in Milwaukee for a very long time. Um, he seems comfortable there. He seems happy in that clubhouse. I think it's relatively easy to believe that at some point he would be willing to sign an extension to stay. Um, he is still relatively young in his arbitration clock, so the Brewers may very well be able to work something out relatively inexpensively. You know, this could be a guy who becomes a, a memorable figure, you know, a franchise historic type of figure, um, if the Brewers hold on to him. And so if you trade him, you're giving that up. Uh, but the track record of major league closers also suggests that if you hold on to a, a closer for too long, or really any reliever for too long, you run the risk that eventually they turn back into a pumpkin and you get nothing. Um, and so, you know, the Brewers have been on both sides of that. Uh, they have traded away some guys who were pretty good relievers. Um, they have also held on to uh, Derek Turnbow and a collection of other names that we could mention that have kind of gone back in the other direction. Uh, one way or the other, there's a, a real risk that this is a move here that people point back to and say, boy, the Brewers really screwed this one up. Um, and so, yeah, I, I don't know what the, the right answer is. I, I think this is probably an organization that can afford to keep Josh Hader around as long as they'd like to. Um, but, yeah, which, which way is the right way? Boy, that's anybody's guess. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be fascinating. And uh, not that they have to make a decision now, but at the same time, if David Stern says to himself right now, you know what, at some point in time, Josh Hader's going to cost so much money that, yeah, we could afford him, but we feel like we could allocate our resources in other areas and get more bang for our buck. If that decision has kind of internally been made now, then time is of the essence because you are so much more valuable on the trade market when you have years of club control attached to you. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Uh, but with that said, you're so much more valuable to a contending team right now. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, you know, part of that depends on what the Brewers think the next two or three years look like. Um, and boy, there's for a, a short season and a year where everything is weird. Um, and I'm writing about this for Shepherd Express for Monday. Uh, there are a lot of guys on this roster who find themselves in the same spot that guys find themselves every September. There is about a month here for some players to really make a statement about what the future looks like. Um, and, you know, there are several guys in this Brewer roster that I don't know were expected to be big leaguers this year. They're getting an opportunity to make a statement. There are guys like Orlando Arcia, who I think has played more than fans expected him to this year. Um, but with the emergence of Luis Urias, you know, who knows what the future holds for him. He can make a big statement about it. And as a group, this team really has an opportunity to demonstrate that they are either a team that is, you know, relatively well positioned to succeed going forward, a team where that you can kind of reload this group um, and maybe hope to make a postseason run again next year, or a team where, you know, at catcher and at first base um, and at several other spots across the roster, it's time to tear it down and start over. Um, and a few individual performances could be the difference. Um, and 
that could really impact the decision on a guy like Hader, you know, to bring it back to your question, because if this is a Brewer team that thinks they're going to reload and contend in 2021, that's a very different decision. They think they're maximizing the value on a guy like Hader before they take a step back. I'm well aware of the, the small sample size aspect of it, but the emergence of, uh, of Devin Williams has to play into that as well. I mean, he is just putting together a special season right now. Yeah, I think, you know, the Brewers were patient with Devin for a long time. Uh, Devin is the guy that I covered here with the Timber Rattlers. Um, it's been a, a long road, um, both when he was pitching and when he was rehabbing. Um, and, and a lot of challenges he's had to face along the way. But I think it has become pretty clear why the Brewers were so patient with this guy who has demonstrated a very clear ability to be a very good lights-out reliever um, in a situation where he faces batters a single time. And so, yeah, I think that's a conversation that's going to come into play um, as you talk about whether the Brewers have maybe talent that they can reallocate from the, the back of the bullpen. Corey Knable's another guy yeah. that enters that conversation. You know, if, if the Brewers can get him healthy and right, then it makes a lot of sense for him to step into a bigger role, and that does make other guys expendable. Um, but, you know, again, these last few weeks, we're going to learn a lot, or at least we're going to learn some things about a few of these guys, and the time is running out for these guys to make an impression and really make a final statement about what their role is going to be going forward. I'd be remiss to have you on and not ask about alternate training site because of your connection to the Timber Rattlers, and I know it's it's not a for-public thing, and it's limited people right. who are out there. And yeah, Chris Marion's been doing a, a good job of putting stuff out there on, on social media, but it's – from what we've heard, like from from who's doing public address announcing to just the way games are working with you know instructors and coaches being part of it and almost running in groups of like three teams where two teams are in the field and, and it, like just these stories we're hearing and the way it's it's working out is kind of cool. Yeah, it, it's killing me not to be out there because uh, I'm hearing all stuff, hearing all the same stuff that you're seeing and I, and I have several people who are with the organization. You know, please make sure as time goes by that you're documenting as many of these stories as you can. Uh, because I think 10, 15, 20 years from now, when we look back on 2020, uh, we are going to look back at just how weird this particular situation was. And we're going to want every detail from it that we could possibly get. Uh, because there's a, a ton of individual and group stories to be told here that I think are just fascinating uh, from an unprecedented situation. And a group of guys, you know, largely speaking, that we never expected to see back here in Appleton again. Uh, so, yeah, I, I've been having a lot of fun, too, uh, watching the stuff that Chris has been sharing, um, you know, kind of living vicariously through him, as I do so much of the season when the team is on the road under normal circumstances. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's bugging me not to be out there telling those stories myself. The, the journalist in me has a, a real itch to be out there documenting and kind of sharing some of this stuff. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned just the, the historical aspect of what's going on. And it's a little bit different because it was connected to the Brewers not playing that game against Cincinnati. Uh, but the, the National Baseball Hall of Fame actually reached out to me and asked me to send my credential to them in Cooperstown so they just have all as many documents as they can to chronicle what has happened and I I I, I think that kind of just shows that everything happening this year it's uh it, it is definitely worth making sure that everybody who's connected to it is is chronicling everything that went on because there's just stuff going on right now in baseball that we've never seen before 
Yeah, one of the things that I do, uh, and the thing that I do on my Patreon, is I write today in Brewer history, you know, covering, looking back at some of the, the odd events or you know, kind of the, the singular occasions that have happened across 50 years of Brewers baseball and across the Milwaukee Braves and before that. And so I maintain a Google calendar of event, notable events from days so I can go back and look in the future and have stuff to write about. And it feels like I have had an entry for 2020 every single day. Um, and, and most of those entries read first ever, something or other. Uh, you know, the, the game cancellation, the, the delayed start to the season, Brian Braun becoming the first player ever to DH at Wrigley Field. Yeah. You know, every single day there's, there's been one of those it feels like. And so I, I hope that um, as we move forward, we're all collectively doing a sufficient enough job of documenting what 2020 has been like to be able to really capture this experience when we retell this story because we're at such a singular and unique moment in history. All right, so let me ask you. Uh, let me ask you this: for p- folks who want to uh, take advantage of your Patreon, what's the what's the way to get to that? Yeah, if you follow me on Twitter at by Kyle Lobner, that's K Y L E L O B as in boy N E R. Uh, you'll find the link there to my Patreon every every morning. Um, I run it seven days a week, or you can go to patreon.com slash Kyle Lobner and sign up. Or, I mean, every post I write there is free. Uh, it's donation only, so you can still check it out even if you're not interested or able to support it financially at this time. But every single day, uh, we look back at an element of Wisconsin baseball history. Uh, sometimes it's stuff that most fans will remember. Uh, today, for example, is the 11th anniversary of the Prince Fielder bowling ball celebration at home plate. Um, sometimes it's stuff that I didn't even know happened before I went to look back on the calendar, you know, stuff that kind of slid under the radar at the time. Um, but every day, uh, we go back and we look at an event from Brewer history or from Wisconsin baseball history from the last century um, and go back and kind of re-explore it and retell that story. And so I think um, for fans who have been around for a long time, I think it'll be a great opportunity for some nostalgia. For fans who are newer to the organization or a little younger, I think it's a, a great opportunity to get that kind of refresher on Brewer history. Yeah, absolutely. Kyle, great stuff as always. Uh, encourage people to, uh, again, the, the Patreon, uh, which we just talked about, read you in the Shepherd Express. You have a uh, piece every week, your most recent piece, entitled Four Weeks Left in a 50-50 Chance. And it feels like we're going into three weeks left in a 50-50 Chance. So that's going to stay true. But uh, thank you as always for your time and uh, look forward to talking to you again uh, very, very soon. All right. Thank you very much for having me. Kyle Loebner joining us here on Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. All right, here's what's coming up this week for the Brewers. Two off days this week. This is the only week in the entire regular season of the 60-game schedule where they have two scheduled off days. Now, we know they've had some weeks with multiple off days, specifically when they did not play the Cardinals at the end of July and uh, into into early August. But this is the only week where they are scheduled to have multiple off days. So the schedule looks like this. Monday is an off day. Labor Day without baseball doesn't seem right. Uh, but in a 60-game season, just needing to put together a schedule the way they did. I'm, if it was a 160, I, I, I get on this rant every year. Like when you've got L- Labor Day, play games. Like everybody plays games. In fact, everybody can play an afternoon game, as far as I'm concerned, during a 162-game season. And there's always teams that have that day off, and I just never understand it. Major League Baseball can can schedule it. Also, Major League Baseball giving teams off on Fridays. Uh, if they would have played a 162-game schedule this year, uh, the Brewers would have had some Fridays off. I think that's about the the dumbest thing possible when Major League Baseball at times has an attendance issue. 
one of the days that is your highest attended games uh, is, is is off day for, for some teams. It just doesn't make sense. When you're going to have off days, have them Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. But again, that all applies to a 162-game season, so it doesn't apply to anything that's going on right now. So back to uh, things that are actually relevant to what we're speaking of at the moment. Brewers will be off on Monday. Then on Tuesday, they'll open up a quick two-game series against the Tigers in Detroit. 6-10 first pitch on Tuesday. Wednesday is going to be a 12-10 first pitch. That game got changed. If you have like a printout schedule that you did after the initial schedule was uh, announced, uh, they have that game listed as a 6-10 start. That game got moved up because I believe the Tigers are going to be playing a doubleheader, maybe even on the road on Thursday, something like that. Uh, so they moved that up just to uh, give the Tigers uh, a little extra time there for uh, before they get in. Uh, maybe they're just playing on Thursday. Either way, uh, it was for the Tigers. That's why they changed that. Off on Thursday for the Brewers, the second of three straight uh, Thursdays off, and then they are going to return home after that, and they've got another extended homestand that's going to be uh, coming up beginning on on Friday, September 11th, and it's going to begin with a three-game weekend series against the Cubs. A reminder for you, for those of you who are in the Milwaukee area, if you ever tune in to WTMJ and the Brewers are playing, but the game isn't on WTMJ, you can hear it on 94.5 ESPN. That means uh, the Bucks, and as we speak right now on Sunday night, the Bucks are still alive after they were able to find a way to win in overtime against Miami on uh, on Sunday, and we're hopeful that they can keep winning games. But as the Bucks playoff games air on WTMJ, Brewers games are over on 94.5 ESPN. And uh, we do do the Brewers Extra Innings postgame show after that. So if you stream that show, you can stream uh, 94.5 ESPN. Had some people have some issues with that. So uh, the best way that I can tell you to find the stream, if you go to wisconsinondemand.com, wisconsinondemand.com, and then there is a uh, listen link. And if you click to WKTI, that will take you right to a live listen link for a 94.5 ESPN FM, and uh, you'll be able to uh, listen to the Brewers Extra Innings uh, postgame show. It does not go live on the stream until after the Brewers Radio Network broadcast comes to an end. Uh, once that comes to an end, the stream comes back up, and I'd love for you to join me on the postgame show. My thanks to uh, Kyle Loebner for joining us here on the podcast. Thanks to you for being tuned in. We'll talk to you again next week for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.